I was recently reading an op-ed piece in the newspaper. You all remember what those things are. Newspapers are about this big. They're made out of paper. They come to your doorstep, and you can read them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was reading in that newspaper, uh, and I realized that just after I started this op-ed piece, I skipped to the end. And it wasn't because I wanted to read the concluding paragraph first. It was because I was reading ahead to see who wrote it. What's the byline? Who do they represent? What's their agenda? And I think I, I, I did this to some degree out of self-defense because my experience over the last several years is that um, some of what passes for discourse is really just a lot of shouting and uh, from all sides and most often past each other. And after the last couple years, I think uh, my absorption limit has been reached. And at the same time, I realized uh, that there was a problem. Because if I'm reading these op-ed pieces or columns or articles and not willing to encounter the argument that they are trying to put forward a new way of seeing the world, then it's going to be very difficult for me to hear anything beyond what I already believe. And so, uh, I then began to wonder, how is it that we know who to listen to? How is it that you know who to listen to? I, I don't mean just for recommendations on Netflix. They've already figured that out for you. Don't worry about it. But really, the things that matter, how do you know who to trust? Who to love? How to live? How is it that you are able to listen to the voices that lead you to life. So this Sunday uh, is the fourth Sunday of Easter. It is known as Good Shepherd Sunday. And we also happen to be in the third year of our lectionary cycle, year C. And it appears to me that after two years, years A and B, we've kind of used up all of the Good Shepherd discourse in John's Gospel. <laughs> and, uh, and so in the third year, the framers of this lection were like, okay, anything with the word shepherd in it? Right? The, the, uh, the sheep and the gate and the thief and the wolf, they're already uh, taken. And so we get this passage, it's later in John's 10th chapter, and it picks up on these themes. And it's the middle part of the passage that just has stayed with me 
all week long. When Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And so, I've been wondering, what is it like to hear that voice? And then, once we hear it, be willing to follow it, even if it leads us in a direction that we have not been yet. Was that question that was on my heart as I listened to uh, an episode of This American Life. It's from episode 673 called Left Behind. And uh, I, it's worth a listen because the, the reporting really um, goes in depth into the havoc and the heartache that our immigration policies are wrecking across this country. And the reason that I found it remarkable for us this morning is because in it there are a couple of people, in fact, there's an entire community that is forced to wrestle with this sense that they have heard the voice of the Good Shepherd and in ways that they had not experienced before. And it takes place in a, a town called Morristown, Tennessee. And the reason why the reporter went there is because this is the site of the first of the workplace immigration raids that the Trump administration's new immigration policies set into play. Now, um, as a nation, we hadn't engaged in these kinds of raids for over a decade. They are not meant to apprehend violent offenders. They are meant to go to a place of employment and arrest any and all workers there who are undocumented. It's a, it's a military-style operation, often um, helicopters closing off the entire area. Um, so many people are swept up into this that they bring buses and buses and buses. And the story then, though, does not begin with the raid itself. It begins with the stories of children. And that's why it's called The Left Behind. It begins with the stories of the children who were in school that day and then came home and their parents were gone. They'd been arrested and were being detained. And it's just devastating to hear the stories of these 14-year-olds, these 12-year-olds, these 9-year-olds, 
as they talk about coming home to an empty house and not knowing what's going to happen with their mom or their dad. And the story then turns to um, a white woman named Krista Edder who lives in Morristown. You see, the, uh, the slaughterhouses where these raids were done are often worked by uh, migrant workers who are coming from Central and South America. And for many of the white residents of that area, 77% of whom voted for uh, Donald Trump for president and who believe uh, in his call for border security, many of them held the opinion that Krista did, which was that they're here illegally and they need to be sent home. And so uh, that day of the raid, the raid happened in the morning, and that night there was a vigil that was held in town. And Krista Etter was there at the vigil, but uh, not because uh, she had sympathy for those who were detained or because she was there out of a feeling of compassion, but because it was part of her job. She's the general manager of the local newspaper. She was there to take photos. And so she was there, and the vigil began, and the, the speakers started speaking. But what she realized was many of the speakers were children. And one by one, they told their story of coming home from school that day. And it was one 14-year-old in particular who talked about how his mom is all he's got and he doesn't know if she, he's ever going to see her again. She may be gone. And Krista describes this visceral feeling of just becoming hot and overwhelmingly needing to leave the building. She felt physically ill as child after child spoke. And the way that Krista describes it, it was like it just shook her soul. And she said she realized that God was speaking to her, saying, I wanted you to come here because you're not thinking correctly. You're not thinking correctly because you're thinking about this as just black and white. And as she kind of reeled from this, she realized that this is not what she had thought was going to happen. This was not what she th thought was going to take place, that this was not going to be, as she says, a, a family man working in a meatpacking plant being pulled from his family. 
And she was not alone. There are many white folks there in the community of Morristown who were supportive of Donald Trump's immigration policies. And then they saw what was happening to their neighbors. And so they began to mobilize. And by that next morning had raised $30,000 towards bond money for those who were being detained. And, and some of the churches in that area who are fairly conservative politically, they started opening up their churches as sanctuary, putting cots out so that those who were afraid that the raids would continue would have a place that was safe. And then after a couple of weeks, they'd raised $90,000 and they were starting to write letters, hundreds of letters of character reference. And one of the one of the local Southern Baptist pastors who was interviewed you know, talked about how he realized that these were neighbors who lived within the shadow of his steeple, and he had to do this. He said, I'm, I don't know if I'll lose my job, but I think this is a divine thing. What I believe happened is um, the people of Morristown, Tennessee, started to hear this voice of the Good Shepherd. And they realized that the voices that they had been following were not leading them or their neighbors into life. Now, wherever you stand on the political spectrum, one of the things that I have found to be most challenging as a Christian is to be able to <laughs> hear things that I don't necessarily disagree with. I, I'm good with things that I already know, uh, things that I believe to be right, but opening myself up to something new that leads me in a direction that I am not comfortable with. I find that to be really, really challenging. And I have to believe that the followers of Christ in Morristown, Tennessee are no different. And I, and I, and I wonder if it's if it's when they saw their neighbors being snatched and scattered, which is what the wolf does, if that's when the voice of the Good Shepherd came clear. Because You know it's the voice of the Good Shepherd 
when it leads you and your neighbors into the lush green grass because that's where all can be sustained. You know, it's the voice of the Good Shepherd when it leads you and your neighbors alongside the cool, still waters so that all may be restored. That's what the people of Morristown, Tennessee heard. And this week, I got that question. You know those questions that are in the the pit of your stomach, the ones you you don't necessarily want to listen to, but you cannot quite avoid? And it made me wonder, where is the voice of the Good Shepherd leading us? Here, now. And are we, you and I, ready to listen? Listen?